0: Just go to indeed.com slash blue wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's indeed.com slash blue wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: All right, what is going on everybody? How you doing? Welcome to another episode of Talking Buffalo Podcast, part of the Blue Wire Network. I am your host, Patrick Moran. Thank you very much for locking in. Audio side, video side, does not matter. Appreciate you all. I'm joined right now. It's been a minute since I've had him on the show. A good buddy of mine from the Buffalo Rumblings. I don't want to say podcast because it's the big cast network (laughs) at this point. Host of the Overreaction Sports Podcast. Also, co-host of the John Cena Show. Also, co-host of the Hump Day Hotline. Can't forget about Jay Spence. The show you guys do on Wednesday. My man, Joe Miller. What's up, buddy? How you doing?
2: I'm doing great. I'm doing absolutely fantastic. And it's just, uh, it's always a pleasure to be on your show. And it's funny because when we get, when we get distanced out, it's like, man, is Pat ever going to have? Did I say something wrong the last time? Like <laughs> what is going on? Because like, this is where I want to be. You and I always have such fun conversations. Yeah. So.
1: I yeah. always like talking to you, man. And look, I'm not going to front for the audience right now. This is the first time you've been on the podcast for a while. But Joe and I were just hanging out together a couple of days yep. ago. Fina actually, Fest. yesterday um, at Fianna <laughs> which I want to talk about. Actually, you know what? Let's kind of talk about that right at the beginning. All right. So, <laughs> all right. FENAFEST. A yeah, lot yeah, of people, yeah. if you're not on Twitter, or even if you are, it's something you mainly. huh? Mm-hmm, what the right. hell are you guys talking about here, man? Right. Um, A guy, Dan. Dan Freddie, right? The, the Dan Frederick
2: name. is his name, but it's Buffalo Freddie is the name Buffalo of his Buffalo
1: Freddie on Twitter. Great Freddy. guy. I, I met him for the first time Sunday. I had actually yep. never met him. Anyway, he threw a party at his house, at his home in Lancaster on Sunday and it was called Fina Fest, of course, because John, John Fina's in town and he was there and it was a collection of uh, a lot of Buffalo Bills fans and um, people are very active on Twitter. And again, if you don't, if you're not on Twitter, you kind of don't know what Joe and I are talking about, but just quickly to explain, man, it's just, uh, it's more than football. It, it's a mm-hmm. community on Twitter when it comes to the bills. And and I truly mean that. And I don't think it's necessarily unique because I, I'm sure every team, every city, every franchise has a hardcore group collection of fans that get together and do stuff, things like that. But it just feels different to me. Uh, it just feels bigger and better when it comes to uh, the Bills. Mm. Anyway, so I didn't even know about it until Sunday morning. I kind of tied one on for the Bills game on Saturday. Joe, I'm not gonna lie to you, buddy. I had some friends <laughs> over the house, and we uh, we tied one on. I had a good time. Watched the game. Anyway, I woke up Sunday. Uh, um, Taylor, one of, one of the girls on Twitter, had sent me a, a message on Facebook. Actually, we're Facebook friends, and she said, "You coming to Fina Fest?" And I'm like, "What?" And she got to explain it to me. And then I texted you to make sure that you were going to be. there. And of course you were, I went and I'm so glad I did because a lot of bills, first of all, meeting bills fans is always a good time. Always. And I knew a lot more people than I thought I was going to know, but I was really excited because I got to finally meet a couple bills fans Mm -hmm. from social media that I've known through Twitter and social media in some cases for years, Mm -hmm. but I had never actually physically met them uh in person abby ab Bay. oh yeah yeah um i i miss her dad though bills elvis by the way yeah. a lot of bills fans though, he Bill split elvis. before you got there yeah he got he yeah. left right before i got there apparently um so i didn't I meet, meet him
2: i've met john a bunch of times and literally on saturday i said john one of these times you're gonna remember meeting me <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> and uh who was the other oh Sarah Larson all right yeah. so for people listening I first of all, I think she's awesome. And Mm -hmm. and again, I really wanted to meet her, but she also has a fascinating story and some people, because it was a, the Buffalo news had a story on her. So a lot of people might be Mm -hmm. familiar with this, but Sarah is a big time bills fan who actually lives in Florida, Fort Fort Mm -hmm. Lauderdale area. And, you know, it's impressive. Anybody, first of all, who has season tickets, you have season tickets, Mm -hmm. a lot, lots of bills fans have season tickets and they go to all the home games. That's really cool. There's some bills fans, that go to a, a couple of road games every mm-hmm. year. And again, you got to take taking that to the next level. I know you do. And I heard you guys talking at the party because you guys were planning your kid's City yep, trip already yep, yep. Uh, for October. And then there's some people who actually go to every game. I know Pencil Rod's done it for a long time and there's not many, but there's a handful of people who will go to every game home and away. Well, what's unique about Sarah is she does do that. She goes to every Bills game. Last year, she went to every home game and she went to every road game. Mm-hmm. But the difference is, For 99.9% of Bills fans, you live in that area. So a home game is a home game for you. Right, right. Sarah has one home game a year, and that's when the Bills go to Miami. That's her home game. So she travels to Buffalo literally every week to go to the game or wherever they played on the road last year. That is absolutely fascinating. And uh, I didn't get a chance to really talk to her about that. And that kind of was design because i actually want to have her on the show sometime i'd love to Mm. hear that process you know Mm. the financial commitment the time commitment just so many things commitment sacrifice i think that'd be a really fun uh, conversation i'm gonna have but anyway my point was this joe that this group of people are are really really cool and i've come to learn that it's more and you know this it's about more than football like the bills are the common denominator. In fact, I heard you talking about, and by the way, Joe's doing this show back-to-back. We're taping this late Monday. He literally just got done rapping the the John Fina show. So, you know, obviously I appreciate having you on. I just got done
2: getting abused by John Fina.
1: (laughs) Well, I mean, that's kind of pretty much every week, isn't it? It It is, John. But (laughs) you know this better than anybody. It's Football's the the common thing, and it doesn't matter if you're older or younger, if you're white or you're black, you're rich, you're poor, male, female, doesn't matter wall bills fans that's right and but the group of people how eclectic this group is and how diverse this group of people is it's just it's really fascinating and i, and I love to see people become as close as they have and like i said you've had more than me you've had a, a firsthand uh a front row seat for this because you get out to a lot of this stuff and mm-hmm. talk about that a little bit like the, these group of fans and, and how you guys interact like that
2: it's been weird, not weird. It's been, it's been interesting and kind of cool. Maybe weird's the right word just because you, have I lived in Columbus, Ohio and you lived in Florida, right? So I lived in Columbus, yep. Ohio up until 2018 and then COVID happened. So even when I was back home for a couple of years, we were in the midst of this global pandemic, which really kind of separated everybody and yada, yada, yada. We're not going down that road. Um, but you see people like Ashley Petty and Kristen Kimmich and Tay, and you see all these people yeah. and they're all connected, Leslie, Willie, and like, and just all of them, you know, Matt, uh, Matt, Matt, uh, Wiedenbach and just, just all the different people that are, that are, that are in just kind of like cord around those all people. And I'm missing names, obviously, just because there's so many of them, Dell's one of them. Right. And they just, they seem like celebrities because they're all over Twitter. They're They are they were, they were, they were active on Twitter before I was active on Twitter, right? Mm-hmm. I had like 300 or 350 followers and I was on Twitter, but I wasn't really on Twitter. I just scroll and, oh, that's cool. A whole bunch of people got together for a football game. Um, so to be kind of like accepted into that group was a little bit surreal. And I think the cool part about the question you're asking me is it's not exclusive. There's no there's no measure of like all the people that are in this group, which you felt right on Saturday, it's not It's not a situation of everybody but that person, everybody but those people, everybody but, oh, no, it's just us. There's very much a show up and, like, the name tags had everybody's Twitter handle on it, except me. Mine said John Fiena's B-I-T-C-H.
1: Yes, it did. I, thought that, I got a good kick out of that,
2: too. <laughs> um, but uh, I, so, I mean, there's an opportunity to, because let's be honest, at the end of the day, even me, people, I got told by two different people. I I thought I knew who you were, but then I had to get on Twitter to make sure, like, because they didn't know who I was either. And obviously my name tag didn't say Joe Miller Wired on it, but that was the cool thing too about having everybody's Twitter handle on their name tag because that's how we know each other. We know each other by like what our our Twitter handles are. But there's just a very cool, it's just a very cool experience. A big part, so we have talked extensively about why I started podcasting. What has kept me podcasting? is that connection to Bill's Mafia? Is that interaction with Bill's Mafia? Is that kind of outer community outside of my normal life that's built around this thing that I've loved and been crazy passionate about my whole entire life? So there's there's this other circle that has to do with the colors that I'm wearing, even on this show, that that I get to be a part of. And they love me and I love them. And it's not Part of my Tuesday or part of my Wednesday or part of my Thursday or part of my Friday. So it's it's just a it's a very cool, awesome experience that's unlike any other type of experience because it comes back to what you said. And I said it on the FINA show. Doesn't matter race, religion, demographic, financial status, what job you have, what you do for a living, how old you are, everybody's welcome, including former football players like John Fina.
1: Yeah, um, and you said the word exclusive. That that's perfect. It's not exclusive. It's not that's what you said, and you're right. And I learned that Sunday. Now I again I go to this party. I know Kristen Kimmick very well. Me and Kristen yeah. are very good friends. I'm good friends with Taylor. I'm good friends with a couple other people who were there. But like there were people that I didn't know, and I didn't know how I was going to interact or how I was going to be treated because some people know knew who I was from the podcast, sure. you know, sure. and and some people didn't. Everybody could be nicer, man. Every yeah. single person in that place was cool. And your point about John, that really is again <laughs> it's become a movement and it's It's funny in a way, but it's also, it's really cool, man. And Mm -hmm. it's because the biggest reason why is because John is just so interactive with the fans. And you Mm -hmm. know this better than anybody at this Mm -hmm. point. You've been doing a show with him now for a long time. Mm -hmm. He is quite the character. man. (laughs) He is a charismatic, (laughs) colorful human being. And I say that in the most positive, complimentary uh, way. Watching him interact with fans and people wanting to take their pictures with him. And, you know, have their their kids sit on on laps and stuff like that, or sign something yep, if yep. they want. he He's really gracious with his time. And lots of players are like that to an extent. but, like, you could just tell John takes his time and he'll have a conversation with people. um i, I I've known John John's been on the show a couple of times. You and I did a show with him last year at O'Neill's, which I'm pissed off. I didn't get to go this year. I got stuck at work. Um, I know you guys had a good time. Of course, Joe Marino was here, which is another reason why I'm pissed off. I didn't get a chance to meet that guy, man. That's, Marino that's guy.
2: also awesome, genuine, very cool dude. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah,
1: but John is just a like I talked to. Him. I had a good 10 minute conversation with him. You know what? We didn't talk about the bills. That's cool. Then ask him one question about the bills. My he, wife was you there. You met that. my wife.
2: Yes. I'm sure he loved that. Not talking about that.
1: Yeah. Bill. Yeah. Yeah. You know what we talked about? And again, you met my wife. I finally, yep. for the first time I brought my wife to one of these things. It was like, you know, she, she's kind of looking around with the name tags. Like what the hell's going on here? I was like, well, this is Bill's Twitter. Bill's mom. <laughs> she had a great time and you had a good conversation yep. with her. Yep. Anyway, her and I had a conversation with John and we were talking about chicken wings, man. and Him being in Arizona and us, we lived in Florida for five years. Just how you can't get good wings out there, you know. So, my point was this: is he just he takes his time and, and he's genuine yep. with his interactions with yep. fans, man. And I and, I, and I, I think he's a good person for that. And, and and I think that comes through when you guys have your show every week because I think you see the personality side. He's not just giving you straight X's and O's, you know what I mean? Right, right. Okay, how good you are that can get a little bit boring. John's colorful dude, man. That's what I'm trying to get at.
2: Him. Yeah, he breaks it, and he breaks it down in a very easily consumable way. Mm-hmm. So which is which is a big part, of, and he knows what he's talking about, right? So there's a, so and you and I've talked about this too. So what I love about that show and what I love about him is I get a front row seat, and it's not because I'm special, it's not because I know anything about X, X and O's. it's not because of anything that Joe Miller does other than say, You tuned into the off tackle with John Fina show, right? So blah 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 blah. That's my job and to throw him softballs. But but he knows what he's talking about. So when you see other people breaking down film that never played at the level he played at he comes in and he's like, actually, it's not that guy's fault. Like whatever went wrong. It's that mm-hmm. guy's fault over there because that guy missed this and missed that and blah, 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 which is something that we as straights, I'll just call us straights, have no clue what we're talking about. I don't know what that assignment is of the fullback as it pertains to what the left tackle and the left guard are doing, but John does. He sees right. it and he's like, oh, that's that guy's fault. <laughs> so
1: what do you do? You think, knowing John the way you, you've gotten to know him now and again, just how... Personable he is, and and, yeah. and again, John is not one to mince words either. He's very sarcastic, he and uh, you know, if you you got to kind of get to know John to kind of understand his humor, maybe to some extent. But what I wanted to ask you is, how do you think? He, what do you think he would have been like if he would have played in the Twitter era, like nowadays with the NFL? These players, their social media. Obviously, there was no social media when John and and the guys that he played with they played. You would hear things word of mouth, you know, or in the newspaper yep, yep. would do a story, or you know, a TV. Might get an interview with somebody, but for the most part, didn't hear too much. But now in today's, do you think John would have been active on Twitter had he been a player in today's era? Do you think he would have uh, gotten into it with some fans? Because look, you know this too. John right now is a retired player. Everyone respects mm-hmm. his career and what he's doing, and he's bringing something positive mm-hmm. to uh, to Buffalo Rumblings. You guys are doing the show. There's not really much to criticize there. But right. you know how it is. If you're if you're a player, man, I don't care who you are great one week you suck the next and if you had to sit there and look I think John would re- be reacting. Do you think he would pay attention uh, people on people with Twitter? You know, he goes out and has two bad games. They're like, man, John Fina sucks, man. This guy getting get another left tackle. You know what I'm saying? How do you think he would handle that in today's review? How do you think he would have meshed?
2: Are you saying that Bills fans overreact? Is that what you're saying? Mm,
1: maybe a little bit. I mean, you kind of have a, a podcast that literally has it in your title. So <laughs>
2: um, <laughs> I can tell you exactly what John would be like. Um, so I am blessed to call John one of my best friends right now. And it literally. It was not expected. I didn't have to make it happen. It just sort of, we just connected well. And through that, I've heard his story uh, from when he came into the NFL. And John's story is such that his first years of Buffalo Bill as a rookie didn't play much because back then they didn't. It wasn't like it is now where the first round draft pick plays. You're playing. If you're a first round draft pick, you're playing or there's a problem. Uh, He lived in Orchard Park in an apartment and hated it because all the other players lived in orchard park they had their own homes they lived and yes there was the sunday night party uh at jim kelly's place that happened after every home game win but by and large john would tell you the story that he did not like being in orchard park there was just and it's not a it's not a von miller uh who else said it jordan matthews there's nothing to do in buffalo type of a thing there just wasn't the community that he needed as a human so john is a super extrovert i'm an introvert I'm an extroverted introvert. I can be an extrovert when I need to at Fina Fest on a show like this. But for me, I would rather be in the dark, like with the TV on, like with my hood up, you know what I mean? Like by myself, <laughs> just leave me alone. John needs people. So John, year two, moved to Buffalo, moved downtown like in 1992, 93 when nobody else did and began to find a community down there of business owners and just people that were at bars and restaurants and hang and he became a part of that community. I can promise you that if John Fina was playing in the NFL today, he'd be on Twitter and he would literally be just as ingratiating as he is right now. The difference it not even the difference, what what I would say is he would not, and I think you can speak to this and so can I, he would not go after people that said, you suck. Yeah. He'd probably be like, well, okay, if that's what you think. That's fine. Right? Because he doesn't he doesn't there's people that give him ammunition now to attack him. And for him to respond as I should say as they kind of attack him or attack the player that he was. And he doesn't bite. And I don't think he would have back if he was playing now I don't think he would then either. I think he would probably be the most popular player in Bill's Mafia because he would respond to everybody, which is I'm on Twitter and it's hard for me to respond to everybody, right? He's
1: become one of the more popular ex-players. On this team, in this organization. And and I truly believe that too.
2: I can tell you the Buffalo Bills are aware and firsthand knowledge. The Bills are aware that when John Fina led the charge, that his interactions with Bills Mafia on Twitter and social media were higher than Fred Jackson and other players. I think he was the highest as far as that goes. So yes, to your point. Yeah, yeah yeah he's yes the, the, the he's got
1: a better temperament than me because if i was a football player and people were talking shit i'd be ready to fight him i'd be challenging to meet me somewhere you know dante wouldn't want to beat me at once i came and i remember get too mad at him because i probably would be the exact same way if i'm, I, I'm just well my, right. my favorite thing about john and i and i've said this before what impresses me the most is i think he came into buffalo with a very difficult task mm. he ultimately replaced will wolford who in my opinion is the best left tackle in the history of this franchise yep. that's not easy to do when you're one of the best, and then that player leaves, and you got to step in, that's hard to do. We've seen it yeah, at quarterback yeah. for many years after Jim Kelly left, before Josh Allen. You know, it's it's mm-hmm. it's a hard thing to do. He had a great career, but anyway, back to the party point. What I was getting at is, uh, it's not even just John, just or my my interactions with John, or you and I had a good conversation for an hour. Again, my when my wife talked to you, we didn't talk about any Buffalo Bills football. Mm-hmm. I barely heard it. I mean, everyone had Bills gear on, or or you know, the John Fina shirts stuff like that but there wasn't much talk about like sad the preseason game was the day before people weren't really breaking down the game people were just mm. enjoying each other's company and stuff like that and i don't know I, i've really become a big fan of that. i gotta make a more concerted effort to to start getting out more and, and doing things when i had the opportunity that was a that was a lot of fun man it was, it was a really good time it was a good it was, time it was good, it was good to have you there
2: was i was good. glad you came
1: so yeah it was fun before we start talking about the bills too by the way we will up a, I don't want to really beat the drum about the preseason game. It's already Tuesday. People are kind of sick of hearing about that shit already. They've already listened to your <laughs> show right afterwards that night. You know, they've done all their reading, they're they're listening, they're viewing, they're pretty much ready to move on mm. uh, to what's next. But I did want to because every time I have you on, we talk about pod, I think one time I had you on, we didn't do anything except talk about podcasting. That's right. You've been doing this now for a while. And uh, what would you say about your show like say over the last let's just say two years or so what is it about you and your podcast where you think you've improved at the most like what's an element of your show and just you as a person as a podcaster that you think you might have improved at most as opposed to say if you ever go back and maybe you look at some of your earliest stuff you know your early content where do you think you've kind of grown as a brand and just you know as a person doing a podcast yeah so
2: there's a, there's many not great answers um consistency is a big part not that it wasn't consistent before but i think consistency has to be talked about as a pertain and you're you are the king of consistency right so you've done two shows every week for how long
1: you're going on about four and a half years now yeah
2: wow, yeah. wow. right so right there i mean i took all the month of july off because i was burnout i was just like i can't do this i can't talk not a about a bad thing uh- no I, yeah. I,
1: I, I that's not a bad thing
2: yeah i was like i can't talk about nothing anymore i can't talk about nothing and be passionate about it so consistency and by that just meaning that i think i'm at the point where people know what to expect from all of my shows so consistency but that's not really something that i've done or gotten better at i've just kind of maintained it so but i think that's a big a big ingredient in the soup if you will what have i got what have i gotten better at so cadence and delivery um you know I didn't come into this with any with no experience with gear and tech and microphones and how to talk into a microphone and speaking and stuff like that. I I've I've I have a history of being around production for the last twenty five years, so I had that. But there's something about being able to talk and be compelling, right? So you've got to be able to and you know this, you've got to be able to have a conversation, carry a monologue, and engage a listener to where they're in their mind responding to you as you're speaking to them. So I I know that I've gotten better there. I've gone back and listened to shows from 19 when I started 2019 when I started and just listened. And I used to listen back to my shows all the time to kind of get a feel for when I should pause, how I should pause. Do I do a silly voice? Do I ask the listener a question? What do you think? Where were you at when you blah, 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 blah? Right. And just kind of fill that out. So, so delivery and cadence is big. I think conceptually, even though my 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 show is. It's a it's a turn, so I don't overreact on my show, but it's there's something about overreacting that we we all know we do it. We all know (laughs) John Fina plays two bad football games. She sucks, get him out of here. Like we all know we're that way.
1: I'm the worst at it.
2: Yeah. Right. But 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 that I don't overreact on my on my show, but I've really I feel like I've rooted into what the concept of my show even initially was supposed to be, which was I'm gonna come to you and I'm gonna talk to you about the game from a fan's perspective. This is what I felt on the couch. And I feel like I deliver that pretty well, even if I'm wrong. I'm not. So my show isn't about trying to be right. So everybody that does not everybody, most of the people that do content creation, specifically post game oriented content creation. I got to know exactly what the route was that they were trying to run when they made the mistake. And if it was an out or an in, I don't I don't care about that crap. I what what did I see? Right. So and I've said that a 100 times. I'm going to tell you what I felt and what I saw, what I felt. And then somebody else is going to tell you the truth later. It's not about right or wrong necessarily on my show. It's about what I felt in that moment. So I think I've done a very good job of of really kind of honing in in on that. I have a lot of growth even to do. Um, I think I'm a pretty good interviewer. Um, I get get told, and you were one of the ones that told me that a long time ago as well, that people just feel very comfortable for some reason talking to me. I don't know why that is. I'm not a counselor <laughs> at all. Like I, was I never
1: a- feel like I'm having an interview with you ever. I always feel like you and I are talking right now. There's a, you know, we're rolling the tape. There's a, right. a video camera on, but this very well could have been us sitting at the bench shooting the shit like we were yesterday at a, at a party.
2: Yeah. Right. So I I was a minister for a long time, for 15 years of vocational minister. I was not a preacher. Just I was an, an administrative executive pastor. Um, so I do know how to talk to people, but there's something, inter- you know this well, interviewing people is very different. Like you, if if you are not a good interviewer, it's awkward and weird, and everybody feels it. Yeah. So I think I've grown there too. But I don't know that I've got one answer. But I think that's probably where I would land.
1: I'll say this about uh, I'll hype you up a little bit, man. Yeah, you know, you know, you, you know what I've seen from you personally that well, it's changed for me at least. Anyway, I don't know. May maybe, uh, maybe mm. other people might not feel the same, but for me personally, when when I watch your show now and, and know you better as a person and now as a podcaster, you are you have an identity now and you're comfortable in your identity. And and let me kind of explain what I mean a little bit here. A lot of people who create content, whether it's alternative media, whether it's mainstream media, there's fans and then there's mainstream media or unemotional people who cover a team unemotionally. And I think a lot of people out there are big time bills, fans who try to not be a fan when they're behind a microphone. Fair. You are not that person. Like, say, for an example, Tim Graham or, or or Joe Biscaglia, they don't give a shit if the Bills win. They truly don't. Right. And, and they talk about and they cover the team and they talk about the team from a purely unemotional standpoint, not as a fan. I respect the hell out of that. Mm-hmm. I respect people who are Bills fans. You said this. You cover the team from a perspective of a fan. Mm-hmm. You want the Bills to win. Mm-hmm. You're not going to say that you don't care if the Bills don't win. There's a lot of people out there who want to be bi or you know unbiased and they want to be objective, and they say they don't give a shit if the Bills win. They're lying, most right. of them. Right, they're lying. That's not you. You know what I mean? Mm. You, watch, Bills fan. I I really truly think you're a good person too. But I I think a lot of your popularity with a lot of these Bills fans, especially on Twitter and on social media, has grown because it feels when you watch your show or listen to your show, however you consume it, that you, you're one of them that's you know i mean you're thinking along the same lines they are you're not trying to be something that you're not and i think that's one mistake a a decent amount of content creators make they don't know what they are you do know what you are
2: i i I say i'm the every fan so that's that's (laughs) from 2019 when i started i am the every fan i'm just you like i'm just literally however you felt on the couch more than likely in some facet you could be a little more extreme or a little less extreme you felt the way that i felt thank you for that that was uh That was an incredible compliment. So that's a big piece. We've talked about podcasting before, and I tell people all the time when they say, I want to start a podcast. What should I do? What advice would you give me? And I think we've talked about this, to which I respond, have a concept. Like, I want to talk about the bills is not a concept. There has to be something that you're trying to accomplish, and it doesn't have to be spoken or overwhelmingly clear, but there has to be a concept, a root behind what you're trying to account what you're trying to do so but no i appreciate that that was good that was, that was
1: I, I think every podcaster or podcast or content creator has to have a lane mm, and they gotta yeah. know what it is and sometimes it might not even be a lane that you necessarily want you know yeah. i feel to this day and i still feel this way if i i feel very capable of mm. holding my own in any kind of bills conversation with anybody Agreed. out there agree but i also know if we're gonna break down something and you're gonna break down film and you're gonna get into the nitty-gritty of stuff And that's, that's Joe Marino territory, you know, (laughs) That's Bruce Nolan territory, that that, that's what it is. You know, some of the guys that cover one, that's what it is. I like to have conversations. I like to have a, I just like to talk to people. I've become known now for wings and I used to hate that, but now I kind of embrace it and and kind of podcast. I, I enjoy, I'm like a coach, you know, I wasn't the best player, but I kind of know a lot about the game. And that's kind of how I feel about at this point, when it comes to content creation and podcasting i love and people do ask for my advice sometimes i'll listen to a show i'll watch a show and i you know i'll say it privately and discreetly i'll be like i think you're doing this really well Mm -hmm. i think you know you need to improve on this and that Mm -hmm. but that's kind of like i said that's my lane straight bills talk not my lane no just not my show it's not my kind of show there's too many other good shows out there but yours being one of them where if you're there for all straight bills talk this ain't gonna be it but that said, Joe, going to take a quick break. And right after that, we actually are going to talk about some Buffalo Bills. Again, I don't want to rehash the indie game, but there are a couple players that I want to talk yeah. about that I think uh, made some moves. So we'll be right back in about 30 seconds, folks. Sports fans who like the wager, I'm here to tell you about OddsTrader, the number one site for all your game day bets. If you're looking for a one-stop space on these interwebs to compare odds live up to the minute, Look, no further than OddsTrader, why is OddsTrader so valuable to you? Well, for starters, it's the perfect place to compare betting odds and lines from all the major sports books. Why does that matter? Well, it matters because if you're liking a team, you want to throw down some cash on them, you're getting your choice of what's getting you the best odds, the best lines. It's a chance to find the highest payouts if you're betting on the underdogs or whether you're profiting the most if you're going with the favorites. Odds Trader also allows you to compare all the different sign up codes and promos from the sports books so that you can get the best deal out there for you. If that's not enough, Odds Trader the app also gives you player stats, key game stats, injury reports, projected game day weather. Which by the way, that can be a huge thing to know in certain situations. Odds Trader also has a betting tracker so that you can keep records of all your games that you have wagers on and all your betting activity. Simply put, OddsTrader gives you quite literally everything you need to make the most informed bets humanly possible. If you're in his betting on sports games, any sport, by the way, make sure you go to oddstrader.com slash Wire. Again, that's oddstrader.com slash Odds OddsTrader, the number one site for all your game day bets.
0: We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate is Just go to indeed.com slash blue wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about indeed on this podcast. That's indeed.com slash blue wire terms and conditions apply need to hire. You need indeed.
1: All right. I am back here with Joe Miller. All right. So the bills beat the Colts by a field goal on Saturday. Um, A fun way to start the preseason for sure there were a couple players i thought that stood out and yeah. i'm not you know turning over any stones here that haven't been discussed by whether it's you or other people on shows but i take it as this i think there's three guys on this team based on saturday and i don't like i try not to overreact i do overreact i try not to joe but i think there's three guys that are complete roster locks now and i think there's two other guys who i thought really I don't. I Wouldn't consider them roster locks, but I think they've elevated their opportunity very much. Mm. And then there's a couple other players who their spot on the team was never really in question. But I've seen things from them that now I'm starting to think, if called upon, I think they could play substantial roles on this team. I want to start mm. with the three guys who I think are roster locks now. Uh, the rookie, the 6 round rookie, Christian Benford. Oh yeah, I really like this kid a lot. I've heard a lot of good things about him in training camp. But, you know, I've had Matt on. once. I have Ryan Talbot. And, you know, I've been mm-hmm. singing this guy's praises. I, I read up on him a lot. He went out Saturday. I thought he played great. He did. The punter. I mean, w- what is there really to say? I mean, he, he kicked the shit out of the ball. We all know 82 yards, 62 yard net. Don't need to have a conversation about it. He's he's your punter. I don't know if by the time people listen to this, uh, Matt Hawk might not be on this team much longer. And I don't think he should be. I think maybe. You want to give him an opportunity to find work somewhere else. But I think Matt has checked all the boxes already, not just the, uh, the leg strength which Y'all knew about, but he did a good job of holding. I like the fact that Tyler Bass, by the way, had it to kick a game-winning field goal. I wasn't, not even the kick. I was like, I want to see a good hold, but it mattered at the end of the game.
2: You, you, know you, could, you couldn't they couldn't have scripted that better because there's no training camp practice, there's no scrimmage, there's nothing in a two-minute drill or a one-minute the Bills did a bunch of one minute and eight second drills in camp, which was, if you remember in Kansas City, that was how much time they had left on the clock when Josh scored the last touchdown against the Chiefs. You know, that that last second field goal, they're running out on the field. It's a preseason game. Who gives a crap? It's preseason. Like nobody cares, it doesn't mean anything. It mattered to Matt Arisa. Because Matt Ariza doesn't want to be the guy that muffs that hold, right. and, and we go into the locker room tied when we could. have. Because we all know Tyler. We all know Reed Ferguson is going to make that snap. We all know that Tyler Bass is going to kick that football. But Matt Ariza is the one who never has held in his life and in a pressure situation had his hand stretched out waiting for the snap. And I promise you, I told John this on the show a little while ago, I promise you his fingers were probably shaking a little bit. Like, dear God this is happening so that rep and it's funny because i said i opened i opened my show with on saturday my post game show with the bills won on a matt Ariza hold for a field goal
3: <laughs> and, and
2: marino tweeted it as well so we were like lockstep in that thing It was a huge rep for
1: Matt Ariza. that was a huge- i was i was gonna ask you joan it might sound like i'm joking but I'll, i'm not joking do you think that hold at the end of the game in terms of him getting confidence from the coaching staff was every bit as important as the booming punt that he had. Y'all know he kicked the shit out of the ball.
2: I, I don't. I don't know that the booming punt mattered. I mean, Corey Bajorquez boomed punts all the time. I think what do you, when you look at the punts, Matt Hawk kicked the football or had a punt what, what like around our, our own forty-five and kicked it inside the twelve. To me, that's more. That's why we got rid of Bajorkas. That his holding, his holding was horrible. But mm-hmm. They brought Hawk in to basically punt the ball and kind of pin it in that like inside the ten area. Um, And then obviously he's an elite holder, but they know he could kick the crap out of the ball. It's going to be interesting situationally to see where they put him. And if they're going to discover whether or not he can put those balls inside the five inside the 10. One thing about arises punts and I've seen it several times in camp. And it happened on the one you're talking about when his punts at the ground, they jet forward, which is I'm sure it's something to do with the way he's kicking it or the way he's dropping it or holding it. But they always, so there was the one punt in the red and blue game and everybody lost their mind. Oh, my gosh, Matt Ariza just kicked the ball 96 yards. Well, the punt was a stinker. It went about 50 and then bounced 40 yards. Like, it literally bounced yeah. away from Khalil Shakir. And Khalil Shakir was running after it as it was just trucking and ended up going, like, 90-something yards. But it'll be interesting to see how they situationally put him in a game to pin a def- an offense back, right? So Because that's a big part of – the Bills don't expect to punt from the tw- their own 20 often,
1: I would right. think. Right. Well, regardless, I I think that's a position that I think, you know, if there was a competition and then there was to some extent, but I think it was more you have to see if the kid can hold the ball and feel comfortable with that more than anything else. And I think he's kind of answered that question already, so I would not be surprised if that competition is completely over ready. Benford being on the team, Mm. I think Trey White, if he starts the season, which is very, very, very iffy right now, Mm -hmm. and Lewis might be a guy who could be in trouble in terms of making the roster if they don't keep six cornerbacks, which again, if if Trey White doesn't start the season, uh, I think Cam will be all right. But regardless, he, I think Benford's he, a lot. He played well
2: Saturday, too. But, no, I agree with you. I think Benford played great. And I think I think part of the Benford hype in camp has been the fact that Elam has been a little bit in his own head. He's had a difficult time almost pressing a little bit, which has made Benford kind of shine. But Elam played incredibly well in that preseason game. But So all three of them did. So all three of those guys played well. And you know Jackson's making the team. So yeah. it'll be, yeah. Right. So Saran Neal, Taron Johnson, it's it's the it's the wide receiver problem. It's the same, they have the same problem in the wide receiver room.
1: Yeah. Well, I'm gonna tell you the third guy that I think is a roster lock, yeah. which I'm sure you and everyone else already thought was a lost roster lock, but for some reason, and I don't know why I didn't. Zach, and you talked about him, Zach Moss. Mm, yeah, you talked about him this weekend on your show. I, I thought he looked really good. He looks healthy, He looks back to 100 percent which he really wasn't last year. And I don't know, man. I, I think maybe signing Duke Johnson, I was going into camp like, all right, mm-hmm. man, we're going to get a legit battle. But now I'm starting to realize the makeup of this roster. You got Singletary, who's your – he's your starter. He's and the you got James Cook, who's going to be your change-of-pace guy. I still think fans should temper their expectations with him a little bit. He's he's going to become a James White-type player, which is very good. You know, it's something the Bills mm-hmm. don't have. Mm-hmm. But Zach Moss might be that guy – well, first of all, if Singletary goes down, he's your guy who could come in and be the starter, you know, the first down back. But he also looks like that guy if you're uh trying to protect the lead late in the game and you got to get a couple first downs, you got to run the football, you got to pound the ball. he looks like he could be that guy. I don't know why I didn't have him as a roster lock. maybe I should have but I think barring injury, I think Duke Johnson is going to be the uh yeah guy out. I, I really like there's something I I don't know what it is, but because he only ran the ball twice, but there's just something about the way he's looked from what yeah. I've heard and seen in yeah. camp and the way yeah. he looks Saturday. I don't, I don't think there's any question that Zach Moss is going to make this football team we,
2: this we were we were all on the same page as content creators, and I talked about it on Saturday after the game. I feel like we all felt slighted, right, in our takes. Because as much as this is all entertainment, it is because we don't we don't know. We're not <laughs> I said it like this on Saturday. I said we're not. We're not getting their paychecks, meaning the Bills staff. We're not living in their houses and driving their cars. Mm -hmm. There's a reason that I'm sitting behind this crappy blue backdrop, right? And I'm not getting paid hundreds of thousands of dollars by the Buffalo Bills to scout players. They know more than we do. And I feel like we had our feelings hurt because we had expectations for Zach Moss. And part of that expectation was, I'm going to make guys make business decisions. And when you hear a player say that, you're like, oh, shit. Like this is, this dude's coming in and he's going to truck some folks. And in his first two seasons, he didn't truck many folks other than the offensive tackle in front of him, who he ran in the butt of, right? And so there's a measure of, I think, I feel like we maybe had our feelings hurt. So it was easy to just kind of be like, that guy isn't who we thought he was. And he made me be wrong. So he's gone. Like that guy's gone. Meanwhile, it comes out on the Jay Spence, on Jay Spence and King's Code of Conduct show when he interviewed him a couple months ago that he had screws in his foot last year. Nobody knew he had screws in his foot last year. And if you don't think that that's a big deal, go put some screws in your foot and try to to run away from some 300-pound linemen and and see how that goes for you. I promise you it was a problem for him, and now we're seeing that. We're seeing the smoothness of his run. We're seeing the fluidity, uh, the intentionality in his cuts. I thought he played the the couple runs he had as well. I thought he played great. I thought he played really, really well, and I agree with you. I think at this point in time, he's a lock to make this roster.
1: I was high on him as a rookie. And then, again, him not being 100% healthy had a lot to do with it, but – kind of fell off for me, and I think I might have wrote him off. But uh, no, not anymore. I, I mm-hmm. think at some point he might, might not be week one, but I think there'll come a point during the season where he could play a, a significant role in the team, especially if something happens to Singletary. He ain't going nowhere. Yeah. yeah. Uh, two guys that I thought really helped their case. I, I still don't think they're by any means a roster lock. Um, one of them is your guy, Isaiah Hodges. Man, I, I really I really liked him a lot. It looks like it's going to be him versus Jake Kummerow. Yeah, assuming they keep six. I mean, if they were to keep seven, then they both maybe can make the team. And it's worth noting too. So Isaiah's role to his path to this team is going to be also being able to play special teams. Oh, yeah. I think it might have been Joe Biscalio. I, I think I read pointer or no, it was Sal Capaccio Actually, I'm sorry. Um, He played eight snaps on special teams mm-hmm. where Jake didn't play any. But they already know what Camero could do. Yeah, they can, teams, yeah, so I'm yeah. sure. But my point is, they are giving him a look on special teams. He certainly got the job done catching the football. I'm sure you're feeling pretty good about this guy too, man. I'm starting to like his chances. I don't think he's a lock, like I said, mm-hmm. like a Benford or a not or a yet Not got are, but not yet. Looking good, man. I, yeah, he impressed me Saturday.
2: So we're we're seeing everything that we heard in 2020, right, from OTAs and minicamp when they said that this kid we think is better than Gabriel Davis. Davis. But, yeah. yeah, now Gabriel Davis went late, so we know that that he was projected to go higher than four, where he went fourth round. Mm-hmm. Isaiah Hodgins was also projected to go higher than where he went in the sixth round of the Bills, but he also had a shoulder injury, which there's a lot of people that feel like that's why. And sure enough, the Bills drafted him in the sixth round, and they shut him down to get his, to, to get his shoulder right. Last year in preseason, people forget this, he had a PCL strain. So he missed the first, whatever it was, six weeks of the season uh, on IR, temporary IR, and then he went to the you know the practice squad where he's been. The kid is just patient, and he's and he knows... He's humble and he knows who he is as a player, and he knows what he's bringing like to to the game. He knows what he knows his skill set. He knows who he is and he knows who he's not. He's an NFL legacy player. His dad played in the NFL, and I promise you, I guarantee you, and Fina would. St- there are guys chasing Fina's kid because Fina played in the NFL. That legacy stuff means something absolutely to, to coaches and scouts, and he's a legacy player. Um, but we're beginning to see what he's got, and why at Oregon's, Oregon State he was, I don't think he dropped hardly any balls in his career at Oregon State. We watched him in that football game snatch one out of the air, a ball that Jamison Crowder tipped and got intercepted. We watched him fall to the ground and catch a ball. We saw him bust open and make a dive to catch a ball, like the kid can catch the football. He also brings a different body type. He's a little bit of a different body type. He's more similar similar to Kumaro than he is to Gabe Davis. Gabe Davis is a little bit shorter and like he's gotten stocky, Whereas Isaiah is more thick on the bottom and a little bit taller. Kumaro is tall as well, but he's a rail like Kumaro's a rail, but to the, to the special teams point, they're going to give him every chance. And they have been from my, from what I've seen at camp, they're going to have gone five times. They're going to give him, and I went to the 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 red versus blue game. They're going to give him every chance to make this football team. And his path to your point, well said is going to be through special teams. They had him, I saw him on camp being a gunner. I saw him defending gunners. I saw him on the uh, punt that the like the, the the punt team on the line of scrimmage. So like basically bringing a guy into his body, pushing him out and then ripping him to the ground and then taking off in the in the football game on on Saturday. He was the quarterback of the punt team where he's the, the linebacker position calling out whatever it is he's supposed to call out. He's been all over as far as that goes. So they're trying to find out what his versatility is. This is what I would tell you about that. Speaking to him. He has told me he's one of very few wide receivers on the Bills team that knows every wide receiver position. So he knows the route trees for every position. And if you remember, that's what they talked about, about Gabe Davis and Isaiah Hodgins. These kids are smart and they know football and they know this offense almost better than anybody else does. Isaiah Hodgins also was the guy in camp that literally uh, before uh, Crowder came back and before Kumaro came back, because Kumaro was injured as well. He was the X2 behind Stefan Diggs. And he was also in the slot. He was the only guy that I saw in the first couple of weeks of camp that was playing right number two behind digs and also was moving to the slot. Nobody else was moving to the slot from the outside. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how that pans out. But I I would bet dollars to donuts. The reason they're they're moving him all over in special teams is he knows his assignments. And they're basically testing him. But the question is going to come down to, do the Bills want to keep Kumaro? Everybody loves Kumaro. The team, as far as I know, loves Kumaro. Obviously the Packers, Aaron Rodgers wants Kumaro. So Kumaro, if he gets cut tomorrow, we know where he's going, right? Mm -hmm. Do they want to keep a guy that's 30 years old that fumbled the football on Saturday and that stuff matters in, in training camp and preseason, or do they want to keep a guy that's young that could be here for the next four, five, six years that the team also loves. And McDermott talked about that in his press conference. He said that the team loves this kid. He's a great, wonderful human being. Um, it's going to be tough. It's going to be a battle. I'm excited for it. I'm excited to see how that battle goes, for sure. What,
1: one guy, before I get to the other guy who I was really high on, I'm kind of switching gears here a little bit because it relates to that position. Jameson Crowder's been hurt for a lot of camp, mm-hmm. so he hasn't really done much. He didn't do much on Saturday. In fact, he, he probably should have caught a ball and ended up intercepted. Not a good throw, but still could have came down with it. I still say, though, that it comes down to Isaiah or, or Jake for that sure. sixth spot, assuming they keep six because. Agreed. I know a lot of people are down on him right now, but I don't, Jameson Crowder's not going anywhere. And the biggest reason why I, I mean, you never know. I mean, you might sound like an idiot two weeks from now by saying that. I don't think he's going anywhere. And the biggest reason is this. You know who he is already. And Isaiah McKenzie is going to start in the slot. But Isaiah McKenzie gets nicked up. He's small. He's been hurt a couple times. So Mm -hmm. you don't know if you're going to have him for a full season. And as high as everyone is on, Shakir, and by the way, I'm not going to mention him, guys that I'm high on. I already was high on him going into yeah, this game, yeah. so that's why I don't mention him. He's obviously a lot, but my point is, is, he's a rookie, and I still think he's going to be brought along slowly. There's no salary cap reason, mm-hmm. there's no they're not up against the cap, there's no financial real advantage to cutting Jamison Crowder right now. So, mm-hmm. even if he's not that day one slot receiver starter, he's an established veteran. That there's just no benefit to me to cutting him. Especially, right. again, when you got someone like McKenzie who could get hurt and who's also never had a, a big role in the offense before. This will be his first time, and then you got a rookie. That's why I don't think James Crowder is going anywhere.
2: You, I, I can't disagree with anything you just said. The only, the only reason that they could possibly cut him is because they absolutely don't want to let go of Kumaro and they absolutely don't want to let go of Isaiah Hodgins. Because if Isaiah Hodgins, we already know, Kumaro gets cut, he's not going to the practice squad, he's going to Green Bay. And if yes. I... Hodgins puts two more games together, or even one more game together, like he did on Saturday. If he gets cut, he's not going to be in Buffalo either. He's going. That's somewhere. true. So you know, mean, if,
1: you know, maybe Isaiah, if he's really, really impressive, maybe they could say, you know what, he could do what James McArthur could do too. I mean, he, he can, just thought he'd be younger, and cheaper. Well, there you go.
2: He can play the right slot too. He can. Yeah. He he did it in. He's done it in camp this like a lot this year. He can play the slot. But yes, Look, I don't think that's where they want him. Although he is a matchup nightmare for a a nickel corner. But yeah.
1: Look at that. You're making me retract my own take that I just made about 30 <laughs> seconds ago about James and being a lock. Maybe he will be going somewhere. I don't know. Guess what? We'll wait and see. The other guy that I really liked a lot is Balen Specter, And I want to tell a real quick story about this as well. So I watched the game with, again, a bunch of buddies of mine, you know, throwing out some cold ones, but also my son was mm. watching the game with us too. My kid's 19 years old. He's played linebacker pretty much his entire life. He is a linebacker uh, study. He loves watching the linebackers. Every time we ever watch a Bills game, he'll tell me every little thing Edmonds is doing right or wrong or Milano, at least from what he sees, he pays a lot of attention to the linebackers, okay? Mm-hmm. That said, like I think most casual Bills fans, especially right now, they don't know these rookies. If it's not K or Elan, they're like, who the hell is this guy? Mm-hmm. You know, you might hear a lot about Shakir. Who the hell is Christian Benford? Mm-hmm. Who the hell is 54, <laughs> Baylor Inspector? Well, that was my kid, but I'm telling you, he's watching the game. And he was like, dude, who's this 54? Because he was mm-hmm. just peeling off blocks, getting off blocks really well. Yep. He looked good, man. He looked apart. He made plays again. Not a roster lock by any means. In fact, Bills might have to keep six linebackers to uh, to keep him on the roster. But man, he, you want to talk about a guy who certainly took a step in the right direction and is trending the right way? I think Bailey Specter looked really, really good.
2: Yeah, the Bills are at the point where they're hoping some guys get injured. Not like critically season-ending injuries, but. Tweaks right. so they can stash him someplace on a on a temporary IR for eight weeks, and then hopefully somebody's forgotten about him when they move him to the practice squad when they come off of IR. I we what did we hear? We heard that uh, Terrell Terrell. Uh, uh, I just had his last name. Dotson uh, Bernard, no, dude. Yeah, Terrell <laughs> Bernard. Sorry, yeah, not Dotson. I literally was going to say Dotson. Um, Terrell Bernard. We we heard that they were trying to teach him both positions. That you know that the Bills are basically getting him to learn. Edmonds position and Milano's position, mm-hmm. you know, for the future. Meanwhile, in that football game, you watched it. Uh, Bail inspector was out there calling the plays. He was playing Tremaine's position, which I was like, wait a second. That is not what I was told by the people that know, you know what I mean? Like, right. Yeah. In the know, why is he doing this? Um, and he flowed and he flowed to the ball and he was instinctual. It was, he, he blew up on the screen. He was everywhere on the football field. It was impressive to watch him play um I don't know a whole lot about him but I want to see a whole lot more.
1: Right, man, me too. Seventh round guy, but again, you look Byron injury, you look at his path. And yep. if the Bills keep five linebackers, which is what they have done, he's either they're going to they would have to cut Matekovich, who's a special mm-hmm. teams ace. Yep. Not saying it can happen, but that's what would have to happen yep. for him to make the 53 or he beats out Terrell Dodson.
3: Or
2: Good.
1: You keep six. Yeah,
2: it's interesting, the point about Isaiah Hodgins playing kind of that quarterback of the punt return, because that's Medikavich's position. So just just to have him in there, because that's what this is, right? We're going to throw some things out there and find out what we got. Um, Now, Medikavich is an ace, um, and I think, I fully believe he plays, people blew him up being in Pittsburgh in a 3-4 defense, and oh, this kid cannot play linebacker. But he plays pretty well in a nickel 4-2. Like, as a linebacker in a nickel 4-2, he has done admirable uh, in scrimmages, in preseason games, and games that he's played, the, the Miami game at the end of the season a couple years ago when he went in, like he does pretty good. But it'll be interesting to see the Bills have a predicament, and it's a great predicament to have. Mm-hmm. But man, it's I, I'm glad I don't have to make those decisions. That's why they're driving those cars and living in those houses.
1: <laughs> <laughs> One guy has got nothing to do with it. We all know that he's on this team. Is Tim Settle oh, came yeah. over from Washington, and we all know that he's a good player who kind of was trapped behind a really good. Rotation and defensive tackles in Washington. It was more about yeah. opportunity than him. God damn, yeah. then he looked apart. What he did to Quinn and Nelson on that one play, that one rep, I was like, holy shit, man. It's freaking Quentin Nelson, man. It ain't Cody Ford. You know, there's no disrespect there. Career. Bruce Nolan, Bruce Nolan had a really ambitious take on Monday, uh earlier today. He said Vernon Butler to Tim Settle is the biggest positional upgrade on the Bills from 2021 to 2022. I'm like, my first thought was like, yeah. That might be a little overambitious because I, I'd say Vaughn Miller over Jerry Hughes or Addison is the mm. biggest uh but Bruce, my point, Bruce has a really good point. I yeah. I think Tim Settle compared to Vernon Butler is a a monster upgrade. I think this kid is gonna be in line to have a pretty big year. And I'm not just saying it based on one rep against Quinn and Nelson. I, I liked him in Washington. I actually remember seeing him in Washington. Had he's had a great camp and he continued it with a with you know with a great first preseason game. I like just get a lot, man. Yeah,
2: they're 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 in a position to continue to roll lines, right? It's it's very it's it's a hockey mindset on the defensive line. So we don't have one line that we're going to throw at you. We're going to try to roll, you know, two or three lines at you. And the Bills are going to roll Ed Oliver and DaQuan Jones for the first line. The second line is going to be Tim Settle and Jordan Phillips. It, it's it's scary to think, but I'm excited. I'm I'm more excited for Tim Settle than DaQuan Jones. And and the funny part yeah. about that is like they're talking about DaQuan being it's funny it's it's wild to think so daquan replacing starla tulale who a lot of people said was checked out last year so he took covid year off came back was underweight we all saw the video and, and we, we were like that dude's really tiny yeah people, people were like oh he'll put the weight on it's no big deal like this is what these guys do they're professionals well sure enough he was a little outmatched this year and a lot of people said that he was a little bit lazy in his play and kind of was didn't want to be anywhere and that's why he's gone and i think Is did he retire? I think he retired, right? Officially, yeah, I think so. Yeah, I don't know if it's
1: official, but uh, he's not playing now. Yeah, but the
2: writing is on the the writing was on the wall. So you've got Daquan Jones for him. So there's an expectation there, and then Vernon Butler. I mean, there were there were media dudes. There were beat reporters. I'm quoting. They're not quoted beat reporters. They're legitimate beat reporters that said Vernon Butler should give his paycheck back this week because he did not earn it in football games last year, where he was just he was just out there running around. Like not doing anything, so it's gonna be it's gonna be exciting to see this offense or this defensive line revamped. I've said it for years. How long can they keep up the luxury of having all that money tied up in nine guys, rotate them at forty eight percent or fifty two percent before not have any production? Obviously, hopefully we'll get the production we need this year. but here we are. We're right back in that position to rotate guys. and there's a lot of excitement early in the year after. Have-
1: after Josh Allen, I think the defensive line is the most exciting part of this football team. Right oh, absolutely. Now. I, right I, I now, totally do, man. I, I think it, they're much deeper and they're going to be better. And the young kids, like, was Owen Boogie Bastion was one of the guys I wanted to highlight. I thought yeah. he looked really good Saturday. Um, yeah, the,
2: the problem with that is it also could quickly turn into the biggest disappointment, which it did last year and yeah, kind of the year
1: before. Yeah. yeah, that's true. I, I think he has a chance to, to overtake A.J. Vanessa for that hmm. third, for the first defensive end off the bench kind of rotation, which, like my boogie? Uh, yeah, I'm talking yeah. about boogie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, and in the bills, Sean McDermott defense, being the third defensive end is almost like being in the second defensive end. Right. Cause you're going to play 45 to 50% right. of the snaps there as well. I also like the kid, the safety We wouldn't really need to talk about uh, Jaquan Johnson. Oh my it's starting to feel really better if Jordan's not quite a hundred percent. Yeah. I feel like this kid given an opportunity can come in and, uh, do some good things. And so we got to talk about case Keenum.
2: Do we have to uh, other mm-hmm. than just making sure that your listeners know that he is the backup quarterback of this? Yeah, football team. Oh, please, yes. Matt Barkley is not the backup <sighs> quarterback in case Keenum is not getting cut.
1: <laughs> no. he's All right. Look, man, he was lousy Saturday. He was lousy. It happens. Yeah. It's the preseason. He probably, even though it's just a preseason, he probably had some nerves. Yeah. His first Matt, game in Buffalo, it just somehow got away from him.
2: Matt Barkley's been in this system for three years, knows yeah. this playbook like the back of his hand. And actually, Matt Barkley played well. He we watched him play, like we have not seen him play in a very long time. Meaning, all the way probably back to the Jets game where he was in time, he was in rhythm. The ball was coming out like he he was decisive. He wasn't locked onto a receiver, which we see him do all the time. So he just stares his read down and then throws it to him. Barkley played out of his mind. He was almost in a zone. He played so well, but yeah, I'm not, I'm not worried about Case Keenum.
1: I'm not either. Don't, don't, don't if you're listening to this, you're watching this. Don't change your opinion on Case Keenum based no. on a half of a uh, no. meaningless preseason football, his first game in no. a Bill's uniform. He is who he is. You know who he is. He's the kind of guy, if Josh goes down three or four weeks, he can get you two out of three or get you three out of four. If Josh goes down long-term, they're done. Just yeah. like you said, it's anything with the Chiefs and the Bengals yep. and a bunch of other teams uh, around the league. One last thing. if there's on, anything that, not
2: not a, not a not a hot take. I will say that Kyle Orton was way sexier in the eighteen than Case
1: Keenum. So. <laughs> I liked Kyle Orton, man. Me too. He looked like he literally would leave the bar about an hour before the game started. To uh, and then he would throw on the uniform and go out there and play. I love Kyle Orton. Yeah, Kyle was the man. Is there is there anything about? All right, so you've been to camp. You went to camp what four or five times at least? Yes, five times. times yeah. You went to the scrimmage. You watch the the first pieces of the game, like all of us. Is there anything at this point about this team right now that you're like legitimately concerned about? I got one thing and that's pretty much it. Is there anything with you when you look at this team right now?
2: Uh, there's two things. So what the first one, a is going to be tied in behind Dawson Knox, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I'm not. I'm not overly convinced that O.J. Howard is the guy. He did not look – and I was saying this before the report started coming out. I just feel like there's just something – can he block? Yes. And if the Bills are going to use him as a blocker, a big blocker, like a third tackle the way that they use Lee Smith, that might work. So Dawson Knox can be free. But it doesn't matter. If Dawson Knox breaks his hand, somebody's got to play in that position. So tight end one, tight end two is probably my biggest concern. Second is going to be – and as much as they were – you know. Uh, uh, di- like my my concerns diminished a little bit from Saturday, watching those guys go against Michael Pittman and the first string offense of the Colts minus Jonathan Taylor. I'm a little concerned about corner. I want to believe that Christian Benford is the answer. I want to believe that Kair Elam is the answer. I want to believe that Dane Jackson is you know that they're the answer. But these guys are not Tre'Davious White. <laughs> they're these guys are not Tre'Davious White, and. When it, it this this moment is to me is going to be much like the Bills going without a number one wide receiver for seventeen years, and then Stephon Diggs comes up, and you're like, oh, that's what he looked. That's what a number one receiver looks like. Mm-hmm. And that's going to be with Trey. With without Trey for all of last the end of last season, and however many games we don't have him when he comes back, it's going to be like, oh, he is good. He's much better than those other guys. So probably probably CB two CB one CB two while Trey's hurt.
1: Um, it's a very fair. Uh, it's fair to have concern based on the players. Mm-hmm. I think you're going to see the effect of Vaughn Miller being here and Greg Rizzo being a year, more experienced plus yeah. having Vaughn Miller there. And I still think that Oliver might be, end up being one of the best defensive tackles in the NFL this year. It's how much, how Thank high you. I am on him. I think Thank their front seven being as good as they are is going to help the corners until Trey gets back. It's a fair point. Um, to your point about OJ, Howard, I, you know what? I actually got to give Matt Perino a little bit of credit because I'm going to be honest with you. It might've been OTAs. Mm. He mentioned, or it was minicamp mandatory minicamp. I don't remember what it was one of those two, but I remember he did it. He did the podcast with Ryan after a, a, a practice. He was mm. talking about OJ Howard, not being impressed and how he looks slow. And I'm like, dude, he's mm-hmm. in goddamn t-shirt and shorts. Relax, man. That was my thought. I'm mm-hmm. like, I think you're overreacting a little bit. I'll tell you, it sounds like he was right, man. Matt was onto something early because yeah. A lot of these guys, I've seen a lot of reporters out there who are just not very high on the camp that he's had so far. And mm-hmm. uh, you know, you want to talk about a potential surprise cut candidate. If, if he doesn't, you know, if you don't get it going, it, it could be OJ Howard. Somebody
2: uh, tweeted me today and said that if they cut him, they save two million dollars on the cap. I don't know if that's true. I did not verify it. Somebody could ask Greg Thompson yeah. <laughs> if that's true or not. But if that's the case, I don't. I don't. I. I don't know.
1: You know what? I, I think if they were to cut him, I think it would be a football decision. Unless there's a DB, DB out there, a corner that we don't know about, or maybe they're looking into potentially a trade, which could be going on. We don't know what's going on behind the scenes, mm-hmm. but unless they're looking to add somebody who's going to cost some money, I don't see any, just like with Jamison Crowder. It's like the money don't matter to me. If they're mm-hmm. going to cut Crowder, I think it's going to be because he got beat out by yep. multiple guys. I think if OJ Howard gets cut, it's going to be because they're more impressed with Sweeney, and they're just like, you know what? Let's just roll with uh, two tight ends. The other position that I was going to say that worries me a little bit, Joe, is I uh, I don't like the depth on the offensive line right now. I'm a little bit concerned about that.
2: Um.
1: So yeah, I mean, do you want to talk? Do you want to talk about it before I do? Sure. No, you go. go. Uh,
2: so yes. Um. W- so we got the first look at who the who the the front five are going to be, right? So Dawkins, Saffold, Morse. Uh, Ryan Rick Bates, and then uh, uh, Spencer Brown is who's supposed to be in the outside. So when you talk about the depth standpoint, Quisenberry is absolutely going to be the swing tackle. He played most of camp while Spencer Brown was injured. I'm not worried about him at all. When it comes to guard, if Aaron Cromer cannot fix Cody Ford, nobody can. So that, and I still don't like necessarily where he is on the depth chart. However, there is real serious conversation about having Tommy Doyle play the inside, play guard real. And and even to the point of pushback on that conversation of how can you put a guy that's six foot nine or six foot eight at guard? And the response from the coaching staff is, why can't I? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, if he, if he, if he's, if he's not great in space, but you can bookend him and he can be great in right in a, in a phone booth and he's athletic enough to be in a phone booth. Why can't you? If something happened, the biggest concern I would have is probably Mitch Morse. If something happened to Mitch Morse, Ryan Bates yeah. is moving to center, right? We know that for a fact. And they won't miss a beat there. But then yeah, it's that guard position. What's gonna happen?
1: I don't think time. Cody Ford's it, man. I don't I, either. I don't. Greg Mance has been hurt. Um, I don't I'm, do I have to comment on Bobby Hart? I mean, at this point it would almost be ridicule to talk about how he how he he looks. So I don't know, man. I that might be a position where I could see the adding before this is all. Setting down one last thing. then I'm gonna let you go because I argued with Joe Yerden on this last week, and it didn't. I, I I wasn't surprising game one, but game two maybe might be different. If you're Brandon Bean, if, if you're Sean McDermott, mm. A is Josh Allen playing for you this week or at all in the preseason, and B, are you playing starters or are you going to do what you did game one? What what's your attitude towards how much, if any. Your veteran starters uh, should be playing this week, I, and I guess for the last two.
2: I don't. I don't know that there's a right answer. Um, right. I mean, it's the, who's more important starting in an NFL in an NFL preseason game? Josh Allen, who is going, no matter who's in front of him, is going to avoid the rush and probably be smart and go down. Or playing your starting five offensive linemen and the and the Bills did they did they all play? No, Morse did not play. Right? Nope. So it was I, the red versus Dawkins. Yeah, it was the red versus blue game where they had the starting five. Oh, yeah, yeah, so, okay. so I got to back up on what I said. So yeah, in the in the preseason game, they didn't. So the I I I can go either way. I don't need to see Mitch Morse in the preseason. I don't need to see Josh on. I don't need to see Stefan Diggs. I don't need to see Von Miller. But at the same time, and Fina and I just talked about this, there's a big difference between training camp, a scrimmage, preseason game, and live football. It, I mean, it just escalates up and up and up. And I think there's something to be said for being able to come out and come out hot. And I want to see them not come out like they did against the Steelers last year where that offense was flat. That offense did not look good. If you remember, it took them a couple games to get warmed up last year. It just – what? well, I guess they did okay against the, – they scored 35 points against the Dolphins, but it didn't feel like they scored 35 right, points.
1: Right, that was – I, I completely agree. But you yeah. know what? I I remember the starters – I remember it was the Packers game. Josh Allen, I think you might have played almost the full half, if not the entire first half. was it a full half? and i know he definitely played in the second quarter for
2: sure. I remember I remember the I went to the game. I remember the Gabe Davis touchdown. They pulled him right after the Gabe Davis touchdown, right? It was a, a beautiful throw by the way. But yeah.
1: It's it's risk versus reward. And yeah. to me, to me it's just my obviously my opinion. I'm sure a lot of people disagree, but
2: I don't I don't disagree. Many, I don't know where i fall.
1: I, getting an injury to a significant starter to me is a lot more detrimental than Josh Allen getting reps, vanilla reps because you're going to be careful with your play calls anyway yeah the, the, throwing the ball to isaiah mckenzie and and Gabe davis or whoever man i just yeah yeah i don't know if, if i'm sean mcdermott personally anybody who didn't play this last week they're not playing this week either
2: yeah no I, I i don't i don't just i could go i don't want to see you guys get hurt <laughs> right but i can but i probably see the value i don't i don't What's
1: know. The realistic one thing that could derail this football team right now, now and a quarter, an injury to a quarterback on any team is going to derail them. That's the
2: only one. That's Steph- the biggest. One.
1: That's it. That's it. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. This is yeah. a team right now. Not only are they without many flaws, they're also not a team full of rookies. Right. Man, these are right. there are a lot of veteran players. Mitch Morris knows how to get ready for the season. Stephon Diggs knows how to get ready for the season. Tremaine Matt Milano Ed Oliver. These guys know how to be ready for the NFL season. They've done it several times. It's true. I just don't see it man. I just yeah maybe you might sell me on the offensive line if you want to get the offensive line a little continuity a lot of work the first unit together maybe I might get sold on that but literally that would be it for me
2: yeah I I probably would default to where you are so right I I probably agree
1: all right anyway good stuff my man Joe Miller make sure Mm -hmm. vidcast buffalo rumblings vidcast network man again I gotta go through all your shows because Joe does three shows by the way I don't know if you if you didn't know this Joe does three shows every week You want to talk about me doing two shows a week, You do three shows a week, and they're all live too, which by the way, not an easy thing to do, man. We could have done this live. We could have done this live. At some point, I'm going to start doing these live, but right now I'm still kind of filling out the video side. Video is a very small part of this podcast. 99% of people are going to be listening to this on the audio. But anyway, make sure you check Joe out. He does an excellent post-game show every week. Of course, the Phoenix show on Friday or on Mondays, I should say, and uh, him and Jay Spence hump day hotline every mm-hmm. wednesday at joe miller wired thanks buddy you know it's always a good time having you on the pod man oh, it's
2: just a pleasure being here bro totally
3: whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance